Welcome back to the Lion Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander. This is a place that we bring together the world's leading experts in all things health and wellness to help you optimize your mind, body, and movement. Today's conversation is with a friend that I met at a place called the Arcana Spiritual Center, which is a place that uh, they do ceremonies with ayahuasca and various different psychoactive substances. They bring in shamans from South America, from parts of Mexico. Uh, really interesting experience. And uh, Dakota Wint, the guest of today, was actually one of the facilitators of the experience. And he had been up there, I think, for a month, maybe two months or something. Uh, and he lives a very fascinating life. He's essentially a documentary filmmaker that travels around the world to some of the strangest possible nooks and crannies of the planet and spends time with some of the most fascinating individuals you ever possibly could imagine. Everything from Satanists to cannibals to Christians to Hindus to people that live in caves to really whatever you could think of as far as strange stuff happening on planet Earth. Dakota is interested and he is documenting his experience as he spends time with those people. Um, so you can find him on the YouTube would be a great place to go. You just look up Dakota Wint. Uh, this conversation we get into his experience with his travels, with his filmmaking, and just generally the insights that he's gathered spending time with some of the literal most interesting people on the planet. So I think you guys are going to really value this conversation. Uh, before we start, I want to thank our friends over at Inside Tracker. I'm guessing many of you want to lose weight or build muscle or change your body composition or something of the sort. I'm also guessing many of you tried a bunch of different shit to try to do so and haven't found any success. Am I right again? If you're struggling to see the results you want and feel frustrated and maybe even hopeless, I highly suggest using Inside Tracker. No more fad diets, no more wasting money on supplements and health foods that don't actually work, and no more confusion when it comes to how to see results. Inside Tracker gives you customized action plans of science-backed nutrition, fitness, and lifestyle recommendations based on your specific body. I just got my Inside Tracker results back, and I'm super excited to start making tweaks to my diet, workouts, and lifestyle to better align with my body for what it actually specifically needs. If you're ready to get serious about taking your health, fitness, and nutrition to the next level, don't even think twice about trying out Inside Tracker. It is hands down the best way to get an accurate and effective plan based on your own body. I'm super excited to start my plan, and you can start yours too by getting 25% off the entire Inside Tracker store. All you have to do is head over to insidetracker.com slash align. Again, that's 25% off the entire Inside Tracker store when you go to insidetracker.com slash align. This is my, my birthday episode, Dakota. Yeah, it's your birthday. Birthdays are weird. <laughs> that's a weird thing. We just pop up here on this planet. Here we are. It's fucking, Somehow it's fucking strange. fell out of a vagina portal. What have you come across as far as where we were before we came out of our mom's yonis? Where was I before? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know you've done some traversing of, of, of uh, various different <laughs> psychedelic and shamanic and satanic. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, all I the different know, realms I don't know where of religion. We're Maybe there is nothing before. I like the I, I like the idea of like the if you're afraid of death 
it's kind of an interesting thing because you've been in that place like vastly longer than you've been in this place. Yeah, right. We spend yeah, all our time like clenching our sphincters in fear of that time to come, which is where we've realistically, depending upon your belief system, spent like the, the absolute vast majority of your existence. And you're like, no, yeah, we've been dead no! way more than we've been alive. We're going to be earth dust way longer than we're going to be whoever we are. Oh. Dude, what you- but it's cool. It's worth celebrating. I think so. Yeah. How are you celebrating your, your, yourself? Is that something that's like, how is that for you? Like my birthday or just like in life? Being celebrated, being like, happy birthday, Dakota. We love you. You're amazing. Oh, like all the uh, I'm not very good at it. I'm, I'm a, like, I'm a hermit. I don't do anything on my birthdays or with any of my days. And I don't really talk to many people. Whoa. Yeah. What an honor to get to communicate with you today. Then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We brought the, the, the hermit out. Yeah. And you, how do you describe what you do for work? Uh, uh, I am a religious traveler. Fuck that yeah. Explores the taboo nature of human expression. Damn. No, I don't know. Um, that was legit. I'm just like a kind of guy that just, uh, I grew up in Detroit, in Michigan, single mom, like a mixed race household, kind of a weird situation. Uh, dropped out of high school. Uh, met a girl that was a bartender, crazy situation. She ended up giving me mushrooms, had like a crazy spiritual awakening. Didn't know that it was even possible to experience such a such a feeling and such a such a bliss and just uh, expansiveness. Like I understood what it meant to like expand your consciousness and those kind of cheesy lines people regurgitate. Like I, I felt that, and uh, yeah, I've just been kind of riding the wave of that of that uh, mystery that was revealed to me through the mushroom. And it's taken me all around the world. I've I've learned yoga because of it. I know I lived in India for like a year, lived in Mexico for a year, Peru for six months. Just really diving into all of the different spiritual traditions that are sort of talking about the experiences that I've had from psychedelics or through meditation or what I these types with spending time with you in uh, Arcana. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you call Arcana Retreat Center? Retreat Center. They call it a spiritual center, spiritual but yeah, center. it's like an ayahuasca retreat center. Yeah. The thing that stood out with you and just appreciation of like you in general and also the times is you've taken technology and you've leveraged it for your own ability to go and just kind of like scratch your own itch and like these very mm-hmm. strange, seemingly disparate like nooks and crannies of the planet. I have no idea how it's happening. I'm just following my feet, honestly. Like, I, none of this was planned. I don't know how. I don't know how it's happening, but you know, I'm here for it as long as it plays out. What was your first, your first like uh, foray into documenting people doing real? And I want to get into some of like the weird stuff that you've done. But what was like the first kind of stepping into like, oh, I could, I'm going to document this strange. You know, um, Hindu man inside India. of his cave for two India. weeks. Yeah, I, when I went to India, I uh, is when I decided like it was. I was already doing YouTube at the time, but it was kind of just silly, silly YouTube videos. You know, like with my friends. Uh, hey guys, like tr- you know, typical kind of YouTube stuff. Yeah. You know, probably challenges or whatever. In my late teens, you know, and then um, I went to India, and that's when I was like, I'm gonna start just making videos and storytelling. And uh, India 
just like all the all the great people that I sort of look up to or like kind of appreciate their stories, like Ram Das or Terrence McKenna, Alan Watts. All these guys have seemed to went on this pilgrimage to the east, and I just thought like I'm gonna be like an echo of that and just kind of keep this cool storyline going of like the hippie traveling through India and film it all. Cool. How did you get hooked up with with Ram Das? You said you spent some time with him. Yeah. Um, so, do you know the comedian Duncan Trussell? Yep. I was um, a big fan of Duncan Trussell, and uh, I just had reached out to him in a message, probably like six or seven years ago, a long time ago. And uh, he like was just we were talking about Ram Das, and he was like, "You should come to these Ram Das retreats. They're really cool." And uh, he was like, "Here, reach out to." Uh, you know, one of the guys that run the foundation, here's his email, tell him you make YouTube videos and maybe they'll let you come. So I emailed them and said, Hey, I make YouTube videos kind of about spirituality and, you know, I'm interested in, uh, in coming to a retreat. If I can come, I'll film it and promote it or whatever in exchange for the invite. And they said, yeah, come, you know, come out here. Um, it was actually in California. Ram Das wasn't there cause he was, you know, he was in Hawaii and he's was old. Um, I did end up going to Hawaii to spend time with them, but this was kind of my first interaction with that little clique. And, uh, you know, I talked to Ram Dass over Skype and got to meet all those sort of people. Like, I don't know if you know who Trevor Hall is. Yeah. Trevor Hall was there. Yeah. Um, but just that sort of whole little Ram Dass satsang or spiritual crew. And uh, they, they invited me to India. I ended up getting real close with them. And I think I was there in maybe August is when I met them. In September, I was in India with them, like two months later. With Krishna Das, I don't know if you know who Krishna Das was. Also familiar, yeah. Is yeah. Krishna Das is, yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, it was just crazy. I went to uh, to Kenchi Dam, the place where Ram Das met his guru. All those crazy stories, you know, of Ram Das giving Neem Kurli Baba acid, and just like you know, just the whole that whole story. I sort of went with those guys back to that place, and we stayed there for two weeks. Wild place. I saw a cheetah there, <laughs> or a leopard, or something, some kind of cat, <laughs> big giant cat, just like walking. Yeah. And when we got there, they were like kind of showing us the rooms and stuff. And it was real beautiful. You know, like, oh, I was like, oh, this is actually kind of nice. I can sleep here in one of these rooms. They got like the nice little kind of beds and stuff. And they were kind of distributing the beds to the old people. And then, you know, like me and like there was two other couple of like younger people that were along on the trip, you know, with our backpacks kind of waiting to get our rooms. And they're like, you guys will stay up there, <laughs> like on top of some hill where the cheetah was walking past. It's like, oh. So every night we had to walk up this hill to this little tiny room where Ram Das used to stay when he was back, you know, in the in the seventies here. And uh, that was kind of the introduction to like these guys and that world. And I spent probably three months in India, one with them. And uh, yeah, they, then they invited me to Hawaii, and I spent a week at the during doing the Ram Das retreat with Ram Das, and I went to his house and. It was really cool. I wonder. It was a really special time. I wonder. It's it's kind of I think rare for people to come in close proximity to someone like a, a Ramdas, and I think that most mm -hmm. of the people that we spend time with are kind of like you know they're like us. You know they're like mm -hmm. wanted to you know paying rent and went to normal school and you know obsessed with their cell phones and you know, nothing like bad or moralistic judgment, but it's like, oh yeah, cool. We're kind of in this similar like clan. Yeah. What is the, is there any palpable, distinguishable, uh, fallible or not fallible, but, but describable, um, way of kind of 
Like, what was your experience with Ramdas? Like, like that, like that. Like, was there a feeling around? Yeah, that? or was he just like normal dude? Because I know that he would also. I know that he would very much align with like I am a normal dude. Yeah, he was just a total normal old guy. He would kind of like my friend Lucian, who I was in India with, was his caretaker. So Lucian, when we went to Hawaii, Lucian was you know rolling him in his wheelchair and helping him eat, and you know Lucian was like the you know, his caretaker, and he would you know kind of yell at Lucian, and he would like watching Ancient Aliens and just total normal kind of old guy but he could turn it on i could see when he would turn it on and when he turned it on it was like all the air just got like vacuumed out of the room or something mm. and everyone's just attention was t- totally captivated and he was he <laughs> was so old at this point you know he was hardly speaking in um it took him so long to say a sentence so you that like a, a part of like that it heightened the uh the message you know yeah because when, when he would speak, he didn't speak a lot because, you know, it, was, it took a lot of energy. But when he would speak, everyone would be like, oh, you should have, you know, listen, he's about to say something. Yeah. What do you say? Would he say something like, nature is your friend? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, he just says the kind of Ramdas stuff. You know, like, it's all one. Yeah. Suffering exists in the mind. Right. Let it flow past, right. you know, whatever these. All things that you absolutely already know. And they're very like, you're like, yeah, of course. But yeah. then when, well, when some people say it, like, oh. it with like some nectar, you know, or with some like fragrance, meaning because I mean, there's so many YouTubers like just kind of sprouting that kind of stuff. That's like, fuck off. Right. But you know, when Ramdas says it or some of these people that, well, I think it's because they lived it though, you know? So it's, it's, it's being said with, with something behind it because it's easy for us to repeat Ramdas and sound spiritual. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, most of us are just regurgitating Alan Watts or whatever, but yeah. you know, those guys, those guys really paved the way and we're living, living that. Referencing Alan Watts and regurgitating more of his, his stuff. He said something like, like for uh, therapy just necessitates being around a therapeutic person. So if you, you know, pay a right. therapist, but they're not a therapeutic person to kind of like attune with and resonate with themselves, like it may be better to find someone that just by being in their presence, it kind of like naturally tunes your nervous system or your stories or mm-hmm. whatever it may be. Did you feel any of, of that with with him or any of those those guys? Like just like being like, we don't need to say anything or too much, but yeah. there's like something something here. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how much of that is like the aura of Ramdas or how much of it's because I sort of romanticize his story, you know? Um, there was one lady, you know, and I went all I went all over India searching for these sadhus, trying to find one that has this kind of mystical quality, or that was going to touch me and make me enlightened, or yeah. could read my mind, or you know, these stories that people talk about when they go to India. I searched all over for it, didn't really find it. I found one lady who was at the the temple that we were staying at, the Neem Karoli Baba Temple. It's called Kenchi Dam, where Ramdas went, and there was a lady um, who has been there for you know her whole life. She was a devotee to Maharaji. Uh, Ramdas's guru, and her name was Sidhima. Maybe I have a picture of her somewhere. Um, no, no picture. But um, you got a great, you got she, a great backdrop, though. Dog. Yeah, thanks. This is a tapestry. But Sidhima, she had that quality for sure. She had some kind of like uh, the way I described it was. And this is a little bit weird because I, I didn't, uh, I was really unfamiliar with Hindu symbolism and, and meanings and stuff but i told ragu who was uh kind of the, the runner he he runs the ramdas organization yeah. i said like ragu she has this kind of quality of like a lion 
that's tamed. But like at any moment, it could just like, you know, just release this roar, but it's just sitting there calm. But it has like, I can see the power behind it. And he goes, you know, Maharaji used to call her Durga and Durga is always with a lion. Mm. So that was pretty cool. I remember that being one of those kind of weird moments like, oh. Have you had yeah. any kind of like, so Ramdas describes his experience. Maharaji is Ramdas's guru guy, right? Yeah. He describes his perspective before, you know, he was a, a professor and he was just much more like Western, you know, pragmatic analytical type thinker, which I think that combination that like that yin yang East West is, is in my opinion, what I resonate with the most same with, yeah. same with Watts, you know, why, why I like Watts so much, like his whole thing is converging East and West as opposed to being excessively dogmatic in either direction. Um, but pre Ramdas. You know, I think when he was probably like more like Richard Alpert, there was a, a distinct transition that he describes of meeting um, his guru, you know, and not wanting to believe it and not wanting to like kiss the ring or kiss the feet or anything. And then in the presence of that moment, it's like, oh, like it just it just happened for him, which is a, I, that's something that I've never experienced. No, I never found it. I looked everywhere in India. Anytime I got a hint of some cool guru or some cool sadhu, I was, I was like, you know, I was on it. And uh, no, never found it. Never found, never found what they say. Hmm. Are you still looking for it? I don't know if it's real. Mm. I think, I think um, those stories are sort of meant to. Uh, it's meant for like faith, and it's meant to like. Uh, you know, enhance the mystery of life and sort of, uh, you know, there's a guy, you ever heard of Nityananda? They claim, he claims he can move the sun and stuff. No, got to check him out though. No, he's a crazy guy. Oh, I perfect. snuck into his ashram and uh, he actually, I don't know if I can say this. I don't, can you can say you anything about, you want. He just sent me an email saying he's going to sue me. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe don't say that. <laughs> like, like, okay, a couple years ago, I I heard of, um, I was in Bangalore in India and uh, his cult was kind of falling apart. People were uh, leaving the, like people spend 10 grand to go sp spend a week with them, yeah. these like Americans. And they say they're getting enlightened and stuff. And um, he, uh, they started coming out and say like, there's child abuse in here. They're starving us. And it's, it's real bad news. So I was in the area. I decided to sneak in and film me sneaking in just to see what uh -oh. I could see what happened. So I did that and uh, uploaded it, and it's been up for a couple of years now, so I don't know why they're emailing me now. But you think if he's that spiritual, he'd be able to transcend attachment. Oh, no. He claims to be Shiva. Like He says, I am Shiva. And uh, he actually fled India. He's outside India right now because the courts are looking for him over some kind of some you know some crazy stuff like this what if you Child so you so another thing that i appreciate and and respect and value about you is there's not any topic or person or or culture or idea that you're that you've kind of that you're like afraid of you're like you're really interested mm -hmm. in in being open to whoever someone seems like they're yeah. have a compelling argument you're like cool like let's let's learn mm -hmm. about it so yeah definitely. i wonder have you experienced any distinct contrast or lesson from going from spending time with like Baba Ram Das and all these guys to spending time with the, the satanic guy with the, with the cock, the, the phallus statue in his, in his doorway, which you'll have to explain. 
want to take a quick moment and express some gratitude for matcha. If you drink too much coffee or you experience negative effects from coffee, I highly recommend trying out Hone Blends. This is a blend of ceremonial grade matcha, USDA organic cordyceps and methylated vitamin B12 and B6 that not only brings you the same energy as coffee, but the energy is longer lasting. I am a huge fan of increasing my B12 intake. It's a great way to boost energy as it is required for production of cellular energy or adenosine triphosphate and is necessary cofactor in the production of neurotransmitters such as serotonin and dopamine. Although vitamin B12 deficiency is highly common and mainly due to limited dietary intake of animal foods or poor absorption of the vitamin, Hone Presence Blend provides vitamin B12 in its already biologically active form without any toxic byproducts. And matcha contains the amino acid L-theanine, which is used in Western medicine to reduce anxiety and treat depression. It also stimulates alpha waves in your brain, promoting an attentive and alert disposition while calming your nerves and stress. My favorite way to drink Hone Blends is by mixing it in with some hot water and full-fat coconut milk for a delicious matcha latte. I'll typically drink this in place of a second cup of coffee and have found my energy levels to be higher than ever before. You can get longer-lasting energy plus reduce your stress and anxiety with Hone Blends now by heading over to HoneBlends.com and using the discount code ALIGN for a fat 30% off, which is pretty huge. Uh, so jump over to HoneBlends.com. That's H-O-N-E-B-L-E-N-D-S.com and use ALIGN code for 30% off your order. I know you guys are going to enjoy it. And here we go, back to the scheduled programming. You know, not really, actually. <laughs> not as much as you would think. <laughs> I find that people are just searching. They're, they're just searching for some kind of connection to something bigger than themselves. And they use whatever their environment is, however they were raised from their home, their culture, whatever, you know, and then they work with what they got to make sense of what they got. And I, I see this sort of reoccurring restlessness to like understand the self and all people like in the Satan people I hung out with, they're just trying to sort of make sense of reality in their own kind of satanic ways. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Ram Dass too, you know, we're all just kind of lost here in the world trying to figure it out. And uh, I think that's what I'm interested in. It's just like, look at all these people. None of us have any clue, but some of us are so confident in our ways that we do these crazy things, like have a Satan statue with a giant erect penis. Yeah, can you describe the scene and how you got linked up with, okay. with, with those? <clears throat> yeah, so I heard about this town in Mexico. It's called Catamaco. Catamaco is in Veracruz. Um, you know, I'm interested in like the witchy kind of stuff. Like, uh, it's just interesting. You know, that just seems like an interesting thing to film and... Uh, you hear about it in Peru with the shamans. There's lots of like witchcraft in the shaman world. So, and even in Hinduism and religion, there's lots of like the sort of, there's a darker side to all, all things. And, you know, people don't talk about that a lot. So I wanted to go to Catamaco, which is like considered the sort of capital of witchcraft in Mexico. Politicians go here, cartel people go here. This is where, you know, who knows what kind of stuff goes on really. But, you know, you can only imagine what the cartel's up to when they're doing their sacrifices or whatever. And um, 
So I sort of did some research. I found a guy called Enrique who uh, claims to be like the best brujo in Catamaco, the best witch in Catamaco. So I, you know, like sent a message on Facebook, like, hey, I'm coming from America. I would like to come and see your satanic house and your lifestyle and stuff. And he was cool. He was like, yeah, sure, come. We can make a video. I'll show you around. So I went and uh, it's sort of a normal town a little bit. There's some there's some sort of like uh, little small shops that have, you know, like herbs and uh, tarot cards and kind of witchy paraphernalia and uh, big Santa Muerte statues, like a big sort of, um, if you know who Santa Muerte is, like a saint of death, like a skull face and stuff. Mm-hmm. So you, there is sort of some some clues of it in the area, but overall, it sort of looks like a, a normal coastal Mexican town. A church in the center, people eating corn on sticks, and so I go to this guy's house, really nervous. Not, I have no idea what to expect. You know, just sort of stumbling through Mexico, and um, he comes and gets me, and shows me around. He's got this huge pentagram in his house, like in his yard huge and he's like here's where we do the animal sacrifices and it's got like bits of hair and like dry you know if, like if you took a bunch of berries and like just smashed them and it would be kind of like red and like little bits around it looked like that but with hair mm. like in like you know clearly like dripping blood and candles and mm. um yeah he said here's where we do some rituals for like the equinox and we kill goats here and they had a goat head hanging from the tree next to it i was like okay um, but you know, the guy's vibe was normal, kind of a little bit quirky. I felt like he was almost putting it up a little bit, you know, like playing it up. Right. And then, uh, he's like, okay, he takes me to this little museum he has of satanic artifacts. It's got like a big bafflement statue. It's got like black magic books and, you know, all kinds of stuff. And, um, then he takes me to this little shed that's in the corner of his yard. It's a big yard. He's got this black dog that's like won't stop barking and like snarling at me. It's like tied to a tree and it's, uh, you know, maybe 10 feet away from the dog just out of its reach is this creepy little shed that looks like something out of a movie or something, you know? And he has to open the shed with this, you know, it's got a like, big metal door with like a rusty padlock and he opens it and the door kind of like creaks as it opens. And there's just stairs that just go straight down right from the door. And it's sort of the kind of scene you would imagine of like a cellar with like a flashing light and like, you know, just dripping, water or something like you know it's that, it's that kind of scene and uh, i walk down there i make him go first i'm like i'm not fucking walking first down you know getting trapped down here and uh he flicks a switch on and there's another big room that like you know becomes illuminated and it's got red and blue lights and there's a big giant table and on the table there's candles and pictures of women and notes and like voodoo dolls and just all kinds of crazy stuff and at the end of the table is this like 12 foot satan statue with a human skull at its feet with a huge probably two and a half foot bone <laughs> they rub they rub blood on it so like when they do these sacrifices they take some of the blood and they rub it on his on his satan dick wow. and uh yeah the walls are filled with bones and upside down crosses and uh yeah i mean they just sort of explained to me what they were about I asked him, I was like, what's up with the sacrifices? Like, what's the point? What do you get out of killing these animals and stuff? And they said basically that the devil 
the devil, he has, uh, he eats like three times a day, for example, you know, so we have to feed him. Otherwise he's going to take something from us. So we, we quench his thirst with these sacrifices so that he don't come and do something bad to us, you know? And, uh, they also believe in God. They have like statues of like Jesus and stuff right outside the, their house. It's a really interesting little culture, that town. You And you read the Satanic Bible, right? We talked about that. Um, I didn't read it, but I have it right here, actually, right directly right next to me. Look at this. Nice. What is the author's name? Anton LaVey. LaVey. Yeah, you know, I read a little bit when I was younger, and it just kind of felt like some theater, you know? And Anton LaVey was totally theater. He was just sort of... Uh, yeah. He was just trying to, you know, like, be shocking and stuff. If you, I know, like, I know kind of the, the basic philosophy and it's more, you know, it's like, like, let's see right here. It says Satan represents indulgence instead of abstinence. Mm-hmm. So it's about like following the, the ego. It's about embracing the ego and following the sort of natural feelings that you have of, you know, you want, you're lustful and you are desireful and it's like chase that because that's what you feel naturally. What's the point of running away from how you feel? I think that's like the basic. Yeah, there was, there was a, there was a lot in that, that I actually resonated with you know in many ways and i think a part of what it was not satanism as a whole i got lost in like the witchcraft and the sacrifice and stuff yeah. like that that's where i was like i just don't understand and these guys aren't following this kind of stuff they're not following like this type of satanism okay oh interesting all right well within within the book the, the concept that i got that's the only book that i've read on satanism um, mm-hmm. and I grew up in like a very Christian house and, you know, obviously maybe not obviously, but I'm interested in like Eastern philosophies and stuff like yeah. that. But what I found interesting about the satanic Bible and what I gathered from that was it, it seemed like it allowed almost like the, the decompression or diffusion of these internal desires that some people, you know, may have. And when we repress a feeling I don't think it just goes away. It just goes in and then creates the potential for it to start to, you know, fester mm-hmm. up and kind of ooze and like become a, a dark thing. And so the basic premise of like, if you feel a thing, you know, act it out, like allow it to, to be acted out. And I mean, I think that that, that kind of spills into like gestalt therapy and various different modern day ways of, of, you know, working with, with the health of the mind and, that, that was that was like a distinct part of it that I thought was kind of interesting. It was just kind of just like, if you feel a thing, don't be ashamed. It's not a sin. It's right. just a way that you feel. It's just a way that you feel. And you're like, okay, great. And then from there, al- allowing the, the allowance and the spaciousness to like, if you want to act that out, like it's available for you to act out, I think almost diffuses the need to act it out. Right. Yeah, just kind of allowing, recognizing it instead of just being, oh, no, 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 not me. Oh, God, no, no. And like this, you know, long, white, bearded man is watching me, you know, wank in my, you know, my, it's like, it's like that, that, that sensation of of guilt and fear and all that. I I don't know is, is that optimal for like the healthy development of the mind. And within that, I think there's also great value in having some level of, of boundaries and, and even restrictions for healthy growth as well. So I feel like it's like the satanic perspective is just like, let it ride, whatever you yeah. want goes. It's like, okay, like there is value there. I hear that. And then there's more like the conservative kind of perspective where it's like, nope, like repress, God's watching, repent. And it's like, okay, like maybe some value there too. 
Did you imagine guys watching everyone masturbate? He's just like, oh my god. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I was, you guys. I would, I would. I killed my son for you. I would literally think about it when I was wanking. Oh man! In my my uh, growing up as a teenager, I'd be wanking, and I was like, you know, I was like, I'm like, fuck, like, god. sorry, God, <laughs> again. <laughs> <laughs> But I found, I mean, you know, so, so the, the, the people that you met within that, they were, they were pretty normal. Dude, the guy was like, he, like I've said this before when describing him, but he seems like the type of guy that would sort of like, uh, not really notice his shoe was untied and kind of trip over himself. And he's kind of just always playing with his kid and just kind of like a dork at a little bit, you know, yeah. I don't even, I, it's, it's almost, he turns it on too. He turns on this character where he becomes like a Satanist. And he like gets all serious and he puts his robe on and stuff. But like if he walked past you, you would just be like, oh, it's just kind of a quirky. It sounds very congruent with like Dungeons and Dragons. But instead yes, instead of it just being like playing cards or whatever you do you do with D and D. It's like role playing. It's yeah, it's like it's like role playing and it's like okay, we're just it's just that. We're just taking it up a couple notches and saying, No, this is literal. Yeah. I mean, I guess all religion is kind of like that. I think so. <laughs> What's re- is there a religion that you've resonated with in your your exploration? Yeah, I think Hinduism. Hinduism. Hinduism is the is the most vast, and it's sort of the most vague. So you can basically believe in anything and sort of fall within Hinduism. And I, I like that because they're like Jesus. Yeah, that's cool. Jesus was a saint. They're like we have had many saints. Right. So they they kind of recognize that all paths as being a path. Hinduism, I guess, is more of a is a perspective than it is a religion. I mean, I guess some people take it as a religion that do take the you know like believe in the gods literally, and there's a lot of people that do do that. But I feel like the people that are really into like the the Upanishads and the Vedas and stuff like that, it describes oneness and it says don't get lost in form and you know everything is ultimately an illusion you're wrongly identifying as being an individual don't worry everything's cool um you're ultimately perfect you know don't don't take life so serious it's all good and i feel like that's uh yeah hinduism i feel like you know those they're really onto something Want to take a moment and thank our friends over at Bio Optimizers. When I talk about blood sugar, a lot of people tune out because they think it's only relevant to people with type 2 diabetes. But blood sugar is a topic everybody needs to understand. One of the big keys to optimal health is to have balanced blood sugar. But what happens when you eat a donut? Your pancreas releases insulin, which tells your body there is plenty of energy, so now is the time to store fat. But here's the thing. It doesn't matter whether you eat a donut or drink a glass of orange juice, low-fiber processed carbohydrates from crackers to chips to cookies to juice all have a similar effect on your blood sugar. When you take in a lot of carbs too quickly, without much fiber or fat to slow down absorption, you could experience what we call a sugar crash, which leads to low energy, brain fog, weight gain, and things of the sort. So how do you lower blood sugar levels to avoid storing fat as body fat? How do you lower your blood sugar levels to avoid storing food as body fat? You want to do your best to reduce your intake of processed carbohydrates and make sure you eat fat, protein, fiber, and greens at most meals. But none of us are perfect. We all cheat sometimes, so it makes sense to have a way to maintain healthy blood sugar day in, day out. 
even if you have an off day, right? That's why I recommend a product called Blood Sugar Breakthrough by BioOptimizers. This easy-to-take supplement is the result of numerous tests to find out the absolute best formula for maintaining healthy blood sugar. In fact, BioOptimizers went through five different formulations before landing on this one. Blood Sugar Breakthrough works to safely lower blood sugar after meals so that you can maintain a healthy weight and redirect the carbs to your muscles where they can be burned for energy. This means you'll avoid the worst effects of high blood sugar, like weight gain, while enjoying some more stable energy, mental clarity, and fewer cravings. For an exclusive offer for my listeners, go to bloodsugarbreakthrough.com, period, health. I'll read that again. For an exclusive offer for my listeners, just go to bloodsugarbreakthrough.health slash align, and you will save a sweet 10% off on your purchase. And like all the products from BioOptimizers, if you're not 1 trillion percent satisfied, they will send you your money back, no questions asked. And uh, I think that's very important. Any supplement that you take, uh, you should feel impact, feel an effect from this stuff. So uh, I recommend them. Jump over to bloodsugarbreakthrough.health slash align and you'll get 10% off your purchase. And uh, that's it. That's all. I also wanted to thank Element. I personally find that a low-carb diet works best for my body, although most people embarking on a low-carb diet experience something generally referred to as the keto flu which can cause fatigue, crankiness, decreased physical performance, cramping, and brain fog. It is not pleasant. While it's a complex equation, electrolyte deficiency in folks adhering to a low-carb diet is in large part driven by two key factors. When you make the switch to a low-carb diet, you are probably eliminating processed foods from your diet, which contain a high amount of sodium. Low-carb diets are diuretic in nature, meaning the kidneys excrete electrolytes at a higher rate. This is normal and not something to be worried about, but is important to replace these electrolytes. All is not lost, though. By properly supplementing your electrolytes, both your keto flu and low energy can be dramatically reduced, if not avoided altogether. If supplementing your electrolytes seems right for you, I highly suggest Element. I use Element, spelled L-M-N-T, exclusively because all their ingredients are real and recognizable. Plus, all their products are always sugar-free, gluten-free, paleo-keto-friendly, and science-backed. Plus, it contains over three times the electrolytes as your average sports drink. And guess what? You can try Element absolutely free. You can receive a free Element sample pack, including eight packets of Element, two citrus, two raspberry, two orange, and two raw unflavored by heading over to drinklmnt.com slash align. This deal is not available on their regular website, so go to D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T dot com forward slash align. And all you gotta do is pay five bucks for shipping and they'll send you out a sample pack. It seems like most of the, the books that I've gathered, which I've listened to a lot of them on, on uh, Audible now. So I've listened to like mm-hmm. Panishads and Bhagavad Gita and, you know, yeah. not all of the Quran, but the Bible, which I grew up with. I haven't listened to that on Audible. But the con- the congruencies, I think like, there's more congruence than there is difference, with, without a doubt. And I feel like you could, most people could probably take any one of those books and base their life around it, and you probably do do quite well. It gets funny when it starts to be taken literal, and you're like, you actually yeah. suddenly feel like the right 
from God to like stone your wife because she like you know messed around with your neighbor or something like that. That is like oh, like well, <laughs> different times, <laughs> but but like the yeah. the allegorical stories. I feel like ac- across the board, it seems like we're all pretty much we have more in common than we do different, and we're kind of saying the same thing. It's just a different language, and then the issue comes when there's kind of like an ego. Is it Zen? Where they say like it, it's like a finger pointing to the moon, you know, and you're looking at your hand instead of the moon. Don't get lost. Don't get lost. That like the 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 the, the finger pointing at the moon. It's like the essence is the is the moon. We're pointing you towards something spiritual, and all these things are pointing you right. towards the moon. You know, don't get lost in in the thing that's trying to direct your right. attention away. It's what the attention is trying right. to be, or it's the sat- you know, the satanic realize. cock pointing at your forehead. Exactly. You don't the want to get lost in the dripping. cock. Well, you know, so in India, these guys, there's these guys called Agori, or they follow a path called Agora, mm. which in Sanskrit means, um, Gora in Sanskrit means terrible. So Agora means not terrible. So their whole practice is about taking terrible things and transmuting it into the divine substance of Shiva or something, you know? So like these guys, these are the guys that are, that are, that do cannibalistic rituals and meditate on top of dead bodies. And uh, I just released like a 25 minute video on my YouTube channel about me hanging out with them. Like when I was in India and uh, crazy adventure, I spent, you know, with three different guys. Um, one guy is explaining, he's carrying around these big skulls like as a necklace, you know, he's got a necklace of a human skull with the rope going through the eyes and he's carrying the top of a skull that has been cut in half to like make a bowl. And then he's just got another skull that's just kind of sitting by his feet. And um, the first thing I say is like, what is up with the skulls? Like, wh- what's, where did you get them for one? And he goes, oh, I just found the bodies in the river and I took their skulls. So that was the first thing this guy says to me, the first agori that we meet. And I'm just like, oh, fuck. Okay. And he says, when I do my rituals with the skulls, all the bad spirits go mm. away. And... Um, and then the second guy we met was covered in all ash, total white, like like a ghost or something. And he was wearing black and he had like tons of malas on. Uh, and um, it was human ash. He was covered in human ash. That, that, that. So at Varanasi, where these guys, a lot of these guys hang out at, is a very holy city. Varanasi is probably the oldest city on earth that's in, still inhabited, that's been continuously inhabited. You know, it's been, been there for thousands of years. And they have a fire there called the eternal fire that's been lit for 3000 years these uh in the caste system in india these people are responsible generation after generation to keep this fire lit you know like 80 people a day or something it's their job to keep this fire lit for thousands of years so everybody people come here hindus by the thousands come here every day to to burn there because it's by the, the ganga the sacred river and you know it's got the sacred fire and they believe that taking a bath in the ganga clears your karma for a lifetime so people are swimming in this water and the bodies are burning right next to the water. And many times people can't afford to burn the bodies because it's pretty expensive. They use a specific type of wood and uh, they are very religious. So instead of burning the bodies, they just throw the bodies in the, in the, wow. in the water. Isn't that... It- yeah. So these people, they're bathing, doing their dishes and doing their washing their clothes in this river. Isn't that considered almost like a cheat code to transcend uh incarnation if you're if you're if you're burned there isn't there isn't there something to that it's like it's like one of the 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 holiest places that you can 
transition out of this body. And I thought there was something along the lines yeah. of like not reincarnating, like you'll like transcend into Samadhi yeah, or something it. like that's that. It. You go there. You're it. Yeah, you go there. You die in Varanasi in the Ganga. You know, that's is that it. their is that their is that their belief? Yeah, that's their beliefs. And we were talking to people on the street, like, "That's your, you know, who they were telling. That's my mom burning right there." And I'm like, "Well, how does it make you feel that your mom is just like burning right here?" And they're they're happy. That's they're cool. like, "It's is good, that's you know. Cool. She's gone. She's she's no more suffering." And we were like, "Do you want to be burned here?" And they're like, "Yeah, of course. Like, why wouldn't I? Where, where else? You know, like." I mean, that's almost there. I feel like there's almost like a tinge of uh, similar to the satanic thing, not to keep coming back to Satanism, um, mm -hmm. but letting go of the, the fear or the resistance or the repression of any yeah. sensation allows vibrance. Yeah. It's like the cool, the flower can grow. It's like getting sunlight, you know, mm -hmm. and I, I feel like there's there's culturally, you know, with many people, I would say I'd fall into this category, a certain maybe infallible, like deep contracted fear around the unknowingness of death. There's like, I was like, Oh, like I can say like, I'm not worried about dying, but I'm pretty sure mm -hmm. that if this was the moment right now, there'd be a lot of like, Oh, oh fuck. Oh fuck. Oh fuck. Mm -hmm. To be able right. to be in a truly, absolutely be indoctrinated into a mindset that from the drop, mm -hmm. if you transition right. out of this body, you're graduating like that's like such a difference in cultural mindset that I don't think any Western person really will ever be able yeah. to understand. Yeah, no, it's a celebration here. It's such a sad thing. We're all crying. We're all gathered. No, you know, there they're like they're they've made yeah. it. You know? But these agori, so these these bodies are burning all over, and the ashes are just there. I asked them. They said it takes about three hours for a body to burn. And what doesn't burn just gets tossed in the river. And these agoris will go steal the ashes. And this is what he's covered in. And they, he was explaining it. This is our decorations. It's helped to, it's, it's meant to uh, keep us in the awareness of tem the temporary nature of everything. You know, this is us. It's their way of transmuting something considered terrible into something holy. So they cover themselves in this ash. And the guy takes, you know, he has a bowl, a human skull bowl of ash. And he puts his hand in it and just rubs it across my forehead. And I'm just like, okay. And then, you know, we chatted for a minute or whatever. And I go back to the hotel and I have a really crazy experience where um, I'm in the hotel and it's a small little, I don't know if you've been to India, but it's a small little Indian bathroom. So like, you know, it's just a little square. The toilet's right here. The shower's right next to the toilet. The sink is directly in front of you. It's great, for, mirror, it's great for cleaning. Top. It's great. Like you, easy, like you, like clean the bathroom. Cool. Turn the shower on. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> You're like, we're good. <laughs> Yep. No toilet paper. They don't yeah. use toilet paper in India. Yeah. So it's good. But it's like, I could probably put my hand out and put and like touch the mirror. That's right. how small it is. Now, I have this ash on my head. So I'm taking a shower, staring at myself in the mirror. And I just wash the ash wash. It just washes away from my forehead. And I, it's like throws me into this like, I don't really know. How to, like, I guess we're always somewhere else in our thoughts. Like we're always somewhere else. I don't know. We're just always lost in the thoughts, but the, this watching this happen, like this ash just wash away from my face. It's totally and like utterly anchored me to the moment. 100% just, just like, uh, just in the moment. And I was watching this ash wash away and I was having visions of just, you know, like normal kind of stuff that people go through in life. Like, you know, falling in love, scraping your knee, sneaking out of your house, or, you know, just doing the kind of things all people find themselves in in life. 
getting fired from their job, whatever. And I was having these visions while this ash was just washed away from my face. And I was just like, oh man, I mean, this is the truth right here. This is a confrontation with truth. This is, I mean, everything results in just being, you know, like we said earlier, it's just, we're going to be more earth dust than we will be who we are now. So like, this is like just a very interesting confrontation with truth. And then the next day we, um, we, try to wrap up our journey of exploring the Agori lifestyle. And we meet this guy, Kashibaba at the burning gods. And he's like, yeah, I'll show you guys a real Agori ritual. We'll rent a boat. We'll go across the river, look for a body. I'll do the real mantras. I'll do the, everything legit. You guys can film it. And, uh, yeah, we'll do it. So we get on a boat with this crazy guy and he's, you know, told me he's done it before. And, uh, we go across the river, we look for a body, we see some stuff floating in the river that we think are bodies. You know, there was like a dead animal at one point and just sort of something wrapped in cloth that we thought was a body. And then we get out and the other side of Varanasi is so crazy because it's like one side of Varanasi is this, you know, just huge, crazy city with little tiny cluttered alleyways. Like, for example, the alleyways are so small that like when, uh, you know, a cow walks through or something, you have to step into a doorway to not get struck by a cow or struck by like a body that's being carried to the burning gods. They walk through these little tiny alleys. So you're ducking under dead bodies that are being walked through and stuff. And it's just a really wild sight. No place like it on earth, I don't mm. think. But um, the other side of Varanasi across the river is completely empty. Nothing over there. It's just like this mud that tries to steal your shoe with every step. And uh, apparently bodies, you know, so we're looking for these bodies or a body. And we're just like, fuck, you know, what do why did we say yes to this? What it, what has been out in the sun in, in the Indian sun in the way it's going to be bloated and like, fuck me and my friends that are, we're just like, did, did we really want to do this? Like, is this what we came here for? Like, are we taking it this far? Do we really need to know that bad? And, um, so we're walking around along the river and Kashi Baba is explaining. He's like, you know, it might be tough because it's monsoon season right now. The bodies kind of get washed away with the current and, you know, lots of dogs fight over them and it's just, you know, but we'll try. So we walk and he's asking people, you guys see any bodies, some fishermen, which is like crazy that people would eat fish out of this river. And, uh, long story short, we didn't find a body and we were like super relieved and we were like, it, it was actually the perfect ending to the whole story because, you know, we kind of got to live in that sort of like anticipation of what the agori kind of goes through and yeah i mean those guys really do see oneness i think more than any other group of hindus they don't i mean and most hindus look at them as being like crazy you know this isn't like a normal thing but um i find that they they really do understand oneness more than any other religious sect or cult or whatever that i've come across like i feel like they really do have some tangible grasp on truth you know like they, they, they totally spite their ego whatever it is you know if they for example if they craved like a, a nice meal they would eat trash off the ground just to just to spite their ego as their practice mm. you know it's all shiva anyway is what they would say yeah there's a, a quote from i'm spacing the name what's the guy's name that did uh man search for meaning I'm oh come sure. on, man! Search for meaning. It's like one of my favorites. I don't know why I'm saying it. What's that thing? Victor Frankel. Victor Frankel. Victor Frankel. Yeah, yeah. He has paraphrasing a quote from him. He says something like, "Those those that lack purpose will seek pleasure." 
That's good. Yeah. Pretty cool. And it, I mean, that doesn't directly relate to what you're talking about. They're kind of like, you know, like you said, like they're intentionally keeping themselves in the, in the dirt, maybe to not, I don't know. What do you think? Why, why do you think it is that they do that? Why, why do you think there's some dis-ease there or like kind of pathology there to the point of like, at what point do you actually, you know, have some cheesecake and have some sex and, no, I think they're completely, they are like, um, extremist, you know, they're, they're the type of yogis that you see on YouTube that put their hand up and never put right. it down. You've seen those yeah, Brahma, Brahma, I have him in my book, Brahma, whatever his name yeah. is. He had his hand up for like 42 like years or something like that. And it's just, now it's just a calcified yeah. statue. Yeah. Yeah. So these guys are like, they go to these types of extremes <sighs> to just whatever realize the self or just sort of um you know in the yoga sutras by patanjali patanjali sort of the, the father of yoga he talks about how to get siddhis which are sort of these deeper realizations of the universe or sort of you know like what kind of maharaji they t- what he has those powers he has of reading right. minds and stuff those are considered siddhis and in the yoga sutras it talks about the different paths of yoga that can get you these siddhis and one of the um, rituals that the agori do is meditate on top of a dead body they build a candle in its mouth put a big circle around it and sit on this body and like you know just do some crazy ritual i think it lasts three days or something wild like that and if they're successful with their ritual um the goddess of the cremation grounds will come to you and offer you a siddhi so um in the yoga sutras it talks about Interestingly, it says psychedelics are are a path to gaining these insights, which uh, most mainstream Hindus don't recognize. I think it called it um, divine herbs or light-filled herbs or something like that. It translated from Sanskrit. It talks about austerities being a a practice to gain these, which I guess would kind of be like austerity, I guess would kind of be like putting your hand up, right? That'd be an austerity. Um, Deep contemplation, uh, repetition, like mantras. And uh, these were all the ways to sort of gain uh, psychic, spiritual powers, yeah. I guess. It's You're familiar with like Soma in the Bible? Yeah, I'm familiar with Soma in the Rig Veda yeah. a little bit. And that's something, and so there's, I mean, then, then like the, the idea that like the, the, the burning bush was an acacia tree mm-hmm. and which is, which contains DMT. And, and you know what? something crazy? Shiva, Shiva has, I don't know why no one talks about this, but Shiva, there's stories of Shiva with Detura coming out of his mm. chest. Detour is a Sanskrit word. And you find like these monks and yogis and sadhus in Nepal that still smoke Detour. Have you ever smoked Detour? No, never. Can you can you describe it? Um, from what I know, I know like in Colombia, for example, they'll take Detura or scopolamine and they'll make it into a powder and they'll blow it in your face and it zombifies you. It makes you completely compliant. So you're like still conscious and you're still there. You know, if someone said hi, you'd be like, oh, hey, what's up? But you're uh, you're super suggestible. So they steal your stuff. That wow. you, know, you wake up in your apartment and all your shit's gone. And you're just like, what the fuck? But people that have smoked it, you can watch on YouTube. Uh, they just are like in waking nightmares. Yeah, it's really not good. For like two or three days, you know, like seeing demons and bugs. And you hear stories of people ripping their eyes out and stuff. But um shamans and people that like maybe know how to use it properly like in the amazon they use it it's called toe it's not quite detura but it's the same family of that plant it looks identical same kind of hanging flower like that but they use it to for premonitions to read the future they sometimes they add it into their ayahuasca 
So I think like people that know how to do it can maybe have like use it. You know, I mean, obviously the Hindus knew about it. I don't know why else Shiva would have it coming from. It sounds chest. like the zombie wasp. Are you familiar with that? No, I dude, you gotta look wasp. up the zombie wasp. We'll have to put this in the in the old the old show notes. What's the zombie Just wasp? Just YouTube it. Um, this is this. We're gonna do a new podcast studio coming up. And we're gonna have like a screen and all that stuff that we can connect. So that's not that's not today. Mm-hmm. We'll have to, you know, coming soon. We'll be able to. Yeah, we'll be able wasp. to impose the zombie wasp videos into it. But um, essentially, zombie wasp is this type of wasp that injects this stuff that sounds very detoro and whatever the combination you mentioned was like, where it essentially like it it makes a I believe it's a, 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 a like a type of roach, um, and it just makes it docile and kind of like it, it totally turns it into this this slave <laughs> zombie creature, and then the wasp penetrates it and lays its eggs inside of the body and then it like leads it back into into yeah. a little into a little hole oh, and then the babies grow as the and the 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 and roach thing essentially up. is like a womb for the growth of these these wasp babies oh, so fucked up you ever heard of that one worm thing that like goes into the fish's mouth and it eats its tongue and attaches itself and then becomes the tongue of Whoa. the fish so anything the fish eats this worm is just like eating it Whoa. Nature's fucked. I wonder how much of life is actually like that. So like, I much. If the plant. Are you kidding me? I think the plants are manipulating us in that Yes. Way. The plants are controlling us, aren't they? With their pheromones. Yes, and of stuff. course. That's that's yeah, like right. um, there's the other. What is what is the one that's the the it's the Brazilian parasite. I'm spacing the name on that one as well. God damn, I need to get some drink some coffee or something. Is that like the cricket or the one that gets inside the cricket and makes it jump in the no, water? No, it's toxoplasmosis. It's a type is oh, type of parasite that essentially it's so it lives in in the intestines of cats probably other places too, and when uh, cats will get it and then it'll like be in their poo and then eventually mice will get this toxoplasmosis mm-hmm. parasite, and then it literally wires the neurology of the mouse or the rat to be sexually aroused by the scent of cat urine and so there's some information within the 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 toxo that's able to somehow hormonally whatever wire itself up into you know the movement system of the of the in the olfactory system of the mouse and go take me back it's a demon it's a possession. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. It's interesting the way language sort of builds our reality. You know, if we use some scientific words, that becomes sort of like some cool thing to talk about. But you can say the same shit like that's a demon of possessing course. it. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's the same thing. And that completely reshapes the way you look mm-hmm. at the world. You know, all, the whole world's like that, actually. We live in a complete linguistic hallucination. Mm. A tree's only a tree because we have the language to call it that, oh, you like know? that. They used to say that the Aztecs, when the Spanish were coming, couldn't see yeah, the ships. Because I don't believe that for a I find second. that very, very challenging for me to grasp. <laughs> but, but, you know, it, it's relevant okay. to my points. Yeah, yeah I, I wonder. I mean, that's like how I, I wonder how. They were building pyramids and stuff. Well, hold on. Who was building pyramids? What is who that? was building the, the Aztecs. Oh, yeah, right. I was thinking, I was, I was going over Imagine to Imagine them looking at, the, at a boat and just being like, that's not even saying anything just unless the uh, the boats were 
cloaked in some type of space technology. <laughs> Columbus could potentially have had that technology. What are your thoughts that? on aliens? I believe in aliens, definitely. I mean, you can experience <laughs> them if you, eat enough, if you eat enough mushrooms. How have you experienced aliens and mushrooms? Oh, I mean, I think, I believe what the shamans say. I think that there are methods that can um, can bring you to a, a, a realm that overlays our realm. So like through, maybe through dancing, through drums, through... Breath work. Um, through plants, plants through yeah. breath work through all these different methods that it can reveal like an opaque layer of reality that we don't mm. normally see. And it becomes like the, the, um, the new foundation. It's like when you're in a dream or something, it becomes completely the reality. You don't even question it. So like when you're in the super deep ayahuasca worlds, there's beings there, there's intelligences there that are beyond what you, I mean, we, we know, who we we are we're us so like we know what we i think it was terence mckenna that used to say like we know our inventory and this is like something is coming in and stocking the shelves and updating you and rebuilding your store it's got like a totally different cosmic intelligence than than, than humans have and i mean it works it works no matter who you are if you have the guts to go and adventure in the ayahuasca worlds especially if you take a you know maybe one time it's not going to work but if you do it long enough and really take this shamanic path serious for a month or two months or for a lifetime it's gonna it'll change the way that you view the world and it'll definitely change the way that you um think about um like i think i think there is beings that exist just like we exist here in a different frequency and they're 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 maybe fourth dimensional beings because they seem to know about us hmm. i don't know if you've ever had those experiences on psychedelics but the beings there seem to be aware yeah. of us where we're not aware of them until, unless we're in the trance. They seem to know about us because like ayahuasca can take you through your traumas and have you reevaluate yeah. them and ultimately overcome them. So she knows, she knows about us somehow. So I think she's like an interdimensional being. She's, she's in a dimension that, that, that is outside of time. She sees time as everything instead of just like a linear sort of thing that we're stuck in. And I think these psychedelic beings are like that. And I think this is the spirit world that all sort of religious texts are talking mm. about. And um, I mean, that's what the shamans say. And if you, like I said, if you take this path serious, it, it, it works, you know, it works. And uh, it works no matter if you're some dickhead from New Jersey or if you're a rabbi from Israel or if you're, you know, whoever, yeah. it works. I think it's interesting that we, most like Western materialistic people not materialist in, in you know a bad way, but just like I believe in, I believe in the materials. Yeah. If I can see it, touch it, hold it, taste it, like it's a thing. Everything else is not. It's it's interesting that it's it's so easy for that mind to be like, of course, I can't hear a dog whistle, you know, or there's mm -hmm. you know much more frequencies of light that you can't see than what you can see. Much more frequencies of sound that you can't, you know, very likely uh, touch i would imagine almost definitely and then you get into various other senses that go beyond the ones that we've like accepted and like maybe there's a lot more to that palette than we even think yeah, there has to be you know and it's like so but with those more like materials materialistically based examples you're like duh of course science like there's way more that i can't see hear touch feel than what i can of course the second yeah. that it goes into this this other you know what could be deemed as like meta physical shamanic spiritual like all those words that have a lot of i think like kind of barnacles in western culture it's like oh no 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 
now. And like, well, maybe, yeah. maybe there's something. There's definitely something. And even if it is just a sort of rearrangement of brain chemistry, I mean, ultimately, right now, what we are experiencing is a drug-induced hallucination. Yeah. We have these different chemicals in our brains, and it's creating this reality. When you tweak those chemicals, a new reality becomes revealed. It's there, and it's just as solid and just as true as this one. It actually almost feels more true. So, I mean, I don't know how you determine the hierarchy, I guess because we're here more, and this seems to be like a, a, a baseline yeah. reality. But it's not, obviously, a baseline, because base, you can just you know change chemistry. And there's people that are that are living now, you know, maybe schizophrenics or something that have this natural. It's important to have, you know, a, a reasonable grasp on operating in this plane. And then there's other like this is like Ramda stuff slash probably lots of people, but the just description of, of multiple different planes, you know, or channels, you could say. So there's like mm -hmm. the more obvious physical you know, like, like how she's sexy, they're fat, they're, you know, where they are in the social hierarchy, where, you know, all of those things. And then if you're really based in that channel, which Western world and consumerism and, you know, hot chicks and, and Mercedes's and all that stuff and bags, mm -hmm. it kind yeah. of, it really, it really grabs our bandwidth to keep us there because ultimately it wants to sell you, yeah. sell you stuff. And, not a mm -hmm. bad thing. It's just, it just is. Dude, that talk about witchcraft. That's, that's real legit witchcraft. witchcraft. Yes. Yeah. That's legit. That's legit enchantment of language that they're using. These, these cultural architects are using narratives and language to, to steal your power and give you this void to then sell you a product. It's like some dark, dark magic, man. Some dark shit, man. You're not that guy, pal. Trust me. You're not Thank that you. guy. <laughs> Wow! Did you know that that was going to be that? Nice. Yeah, of course. I read the future. <laughs> so then there's other channels, you know, or planes. So the plane thing is, it's like first is like the material, you know, body, ego, plane. The next plane would be, um, you know, outside of ego and spirit, which still creates some level of separation because it's my spirit and your spirit. And then there's like a new plane of just this pure consciousness that is, it's like the infusion of everything. And to be able to navigate through that, like, that's cool, you know? <laughs> like, why not? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the thing is, is that it's almost sad that most people that are alive right now are going to die without knowing what's available to them just beyond the, the depths of their thoughts. You know, there's a whole other universe that's just like waiting to be explored. Yeah. How often are you engaged in what one could probably call like spiritual channel you mean like taking like maybe tripping? whatever like what your your mindset how much are you in if you were to to kind of put into a little pie chart like channel one channel two channel three what do you think your distribution is I mean, I'm pretty naturally just like a spacey person. Like, I feel like I'm definitely existing in multiple places yeah, at once. Yeah, you, but I can see that. As far as like physically like tripping and stuff and like that, only when like the universe is forcing it on me. Like when I'm in Arcana or something or like when these crazy just opportunities arise. Like, hey, you want to come live with a shaman from Peru and one from, you know, Mexico and get to experience this? Like if stuff like that happens, then I find myself, you know, but I feel kind of psychedelic out mm -hmm. right now. You something like that strikes that. me about you is is I feel like there's not a lot of scenarios that you would be exposed to 
that you would your response would not be okay. <laughs> I don't think there's a lot. <laughs> you experience it. Yeah, there's not much I would say no to. Um, you know, maybe the obvious moral stuff. Like I would never like want to see no one. No, I d- I mean I mean okay, and just like be like you're cool. We're meditating on top of a, a dead, bloated body with a candle in its face, or we're like worshiping the bloody, you know, bloody hey, Satan the cock. Is, like you like if you it's just the universe is so crazy that why would you not like play with it? It's a video game. Why would you not just like, yeah, let's go see what happens if I follow this guy that's gonna find a body. What happens if these Satanists, like if I just follow these Satanists down this crazy little stairwell? Like just what happens? You know, I feel like life and we're gonna die anyway. So it's just like if I get eaten by a cheetah in India or killed by Satanists, you know, it's way better than I don't know, a car accident or something boring, you know, getting killed by a police officer. I feel like there's almost like a layer of of I think maybe people or 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 me like want to like protect their identity. And so mm-hmm. the you know, if I put myself into this maybe psychedelic, you know, retreat thing or if I went and meditated on top of a dead body or like, you know, or I did maybe like I have some type of homosexual thoughts or feelings or mm-hmm. tendencies like there's the, this these sensations like what would that mean if i did that thing mm-hmm. it's this is bad this is evil. like oh like who am i and so i think it comes mm-hmm. from a, a this root layer of uh, attachment and fear and as that part starts to dissolve then it's like who am i if i do any of these things it's like well i'm i'm what i always was i'm a, you know there's, there's not that like attachment mm-hmm. attachment part and there's also such spiritual depth and putting yourself in an uncomfortable situation that you wouldn't normally be in. Mm-hmm. You really get to see who you are in a situation that's, uh, that's uncomfortable for you, you know, like especially growing up in Detroit or like just in like the, the atmosphere of America or something in general, being in a place like Varanasi is a sensory overload and alien world. So it's like, you really get to see who you are when you, when you like, uh, you just say, fuck it and go. And, um, I think that's like, that is a pilgrimage. That is like, that's like real spiritual practice. It's easy to go to church, you know, once a week or it's easy to pray before bed or something, but it's like put yourself in an uncomfortable situation and try to see God Mm -hmm. in that. Even then, you know, try to see God in the experience of these guys, like in their practice. Dope, man. Um, It's my birthday. It is your birthday. Shoot. Uh, you're not that guy, pal. Trust me. You're a little not less that appropriate guy. that time, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> you are that guy. So we're gonna go. We're gonna guy, go pal. shoot shoot weapons, and, uh, and then we're gonna cool. we're gonna That's make awesome. a, a healthy a healthy dinner to share. Um, That's great. This was a cool podcast. This, of course, you know, dude. I've been meaning to have you on. Like literally, the moment I met you, I was like, we. I need yeah. to learn about what the fuck you're doing, and, and yeah. it's just it's very cool. I have a lot of admiration, respect, and appreciation for for what you're doing. It's very cool. Thank you. I feel the same for you, and I hopefully get to see you in Austin in a couple weeks or like yeah, a come month out. from now at your conference. Come out. Um, where should people be pointed? What's a good place? I would highly recommend people check um, out your stuff. I mean that like from by my heart. Yeah, check out my YouTube channel. If you know, it's not all satanic and dead bodies and stuff, but there's a lot of uh, you can see that. You can see the whole gory video of me hanging out with these cannibals, and you know, um, you can see the Satanist stuff, and you can see me going to Jerusalem and you know going to the Jesus the Jesus tomb, and um, yeah, it's all over the place. I also have a podcast called called The Place for oh, Humans. 
you can listen to that anywhere you listen to podcasts. It's talking about all this kind of stories and stuff. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Dakota Wint, Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff. Dopeness. You know, just out here in the universe. Thank baby, you. Thank you. It. Thank you. I uh, look forward to seeing you in the Austin, Texas. And uh, thank you all for, for tuning in. Over and out. Bow. Thank you all so much for tuning into that pretty insightful, ridiculous, fun conversation. I think that Dakota is such a fascinating character. I'm very grateful that he exists in the world, and I'm so grateful to get to share conversations like that with you guys. If you want to share it with your friends, you found anything to be inspiring, interesting, anything of the sort, you can tag me at Align Podcast on Instagram. You can tag Dakota Wint at Dakota Wint on the gram as well. I hope you're having an excellent week and uh, appreciate you tuning in very much. Appreciate you sharing, appreciate reviews and all the things. And uh, I look forward to speaking into your ear holes next week.